Welcome to a new podcast from Rivers Barden Architects. Before we cue the orchestra and raise the curtain on this first series, we thought we'd take a moment to explain what the podcast is all about. It's called Spork in the Road, and it features our principals Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden in conversation with a wide variety of creative individuals, one episode, one guest at a time. In their own words, quote, The Spork in the Road podcast cultivates conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. Through examining a diversity of approaches, experiences, and people, our hope is that these exchanges strengthen a quality of life. Metaphorically, these dialogues parallel our philosophy of architecture and lay seeds for a greater awareness and understanding of the world around us. My name is Scott, and I'll be your host throughout the series. So on behalf of Joe and Kevin, thank you for listening, and enjoy. From Rivers Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a series of conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden visit with Min Nguyen, the friendly figure behind Cafe TH in Houston, Texas. It's kind of like uh, rescuing somebody. Yeah. Oh, do I rescue him or do I not rescue him? <laughs> you know, like, just jump in and do it, you know? Hey, time do I have? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's Can you hold on one sec? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. some pebbles. <laughs> Cafe TH sits in a small, unassuming strip mall at the corner of P Street and St. Emmanuel in East Downtown Houston. In recent years, Minwin's restaurant has garnered the acclaim of several critical outlets, including Zagat, Houston Press, and Houston Chronicle. But it's not just the food that's receiving attention. Page through the five-star reviews on Yelp, and you'll find that many glow about Min by name. At the very least, he leaves an impression. In 2014, a first-time reviewer wrote, while I ate, the owner kept me company in between customers. He was genuine, welcoming, considerate, knowledgeable, and engaged. Fifteen months later, this reviewer updated her post. I visited this place again, and the owner still remembered me. That was so cool. As another example, during our interview, Min told us about a group he had met days before, visiting from out of town. Uh, and then this, these people from Austin, they came... They came in this week, and then they came in three other times. Wow. <laughs> like, just to, just because I was a nice guy, and I was like, wow. So, you know, uh, and I got invited to all these things. It's just like, wow. they just sat and talked, and we just talked and talked wow. and talked, and I was like, wow. And like, Clearly, there is something special about Cafe TH, besides the award-winning Bon Me. But the story of where that special something comes from is not your typical arc about the realization of a lifelong culinary dream. It's much crazier than that. Here's Joe. So, what's your story? <laughs> As a small note, Kevin is from Minnesota, a fact that will become both very exciting and inconsequential in a matter of seconds. I was born in, Min- <laughs> yeah. I was born in Minnesota, yeah. actually. Really? Yeah. No, no way, man. It's yeah. awesome. You, have you heard of Wilmer, Minnesota? Yeah. I was born in Wilmer, Minnesota. Wow. Wow. I don't want to go back that far. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was a, you know, grew up in the suburbs of Houston, went to U of H, studied psychology. But I was one of those people that was, like, adamant about, like, everyone was switching majors. <laughs> 
I was like, I'm going to be one that's going to stick with my major. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know why. I wanted to be a psychologist because you know, mm. I saw What About Bob. Well, yeah, great like, movie. What About Bob is a dark comedy released in 1991. It's about a psychiatric patient named Bob, played by Bill Murray, who follows his self-involved psychiatrist on family vacation. The psychiatrist, Dr. Marvin, is portrayed by Richard Dreyfus. You know, and, and all through high school, it, it was like all the, the my, my girlfriends would gravitate towards me and talk about, like, their boyfriend problems. And so, like, I was like, I was kind of like a natural at it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, well, that's, I, you know, at that time, what about Bob? You know, he was like, oh, they were making like a hundred an hour. I was like, oh, this is you know, perfect. It's great. I love talking about people. Yeah. I mean, let, or solving, or not solving, but, you know, trying to, you know, iron out things. And yeah. you get paid 100 an hour. Yeah. But a semester before graduation, Min's academic counselor dropped a bomb. He wouldn't be making 100 bucks an hour like Dr. Leo Marvin without a PhD. And I was like, what? You have to go back to school? Like, I have to go to more school? And I was just like, like, you know, I was so mad. But I'll just graduate. So I graduated, and the first job I got was as a recruiter, as a you know for IT. And at that time, it was '99 when IT was getting pretty hot. Oh right. Uh, and so I was, I was kind of shy. I was kind of shy, but not really shy. Uh, but when I was recruiting, I mean, you have to be like, you got to be very assertive. <laughs> let's, put it, let's put it that way, because you you know your colleague is gonna you know I left I left recruiting. I did really well. I left recruiting because my boss was one of my, 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 my clients. And I was like, you know what? I want to work at something that I feel more passionate about. Sure. For Min, that passion was working for a nonprofit organization. And he spent the next few years as a career counselor at a center for abused women and children. A colleague noticed his knack for working with people and encouraged him to pursue a master's, which he did, but not in psychology. I got a scholarship to go back. I was environmental engineering, wow. which was like, I was like, all right, because I, I thought about it. I was like, well, do I want to be a psychologist? But I'm also like passionate about environment. So I went back to school while I was working, and then I got, you know, almost done with my first semester of, you know, classes in environmental engineering, and I got a job offer from that consulting company, and they were like, we need you to fly out right away. And my girlfriend at the time said, take that. You know, it's a lot of money. Take it. So he did. It was a government sector job that was travel heavy and tech intensive. The kind where burnout is inevitable. In Min's case, three years later, burnout occurred. So just as before, he turned to something completely different. Uh, my girlfriend at that time was like, you know, her uncle had a, has a bakery. It's still there. It's called a good bakery. You know, for years, it's like, hey, come, come work with me. And like, I want to open up a, a storefront like in the... Gallery or River Oaks or, you know, Montrose area. I mean, that's what I want to do. Like a dessert gallery. Okay. And so I was like, all right, cool. You know, like, that's what I'll do. You know, um, so I worked with them. And we were selling about 1,000 pastries a day. In six months, we were selling 10,000 pastries a day. Wow. Wow. Man. Like, it was crazy. I uh, probably worked, I don't know hundreds of hours <laughs> a week and uh, because this guy he didn't say no to anything and I didn't know this industry at all just like you know like a sponge just taking it all in
After 10 long months at the bakery and facing pressure from his then-girlfriend, Min approached his boss about finally opening that dessert gallery. But with the increased business, the uncle wasn't ready to make a move, which left Min feeling like he had wasted his time and efforts. He planned to put his resume together and go back to a more reliable job. But then... Just looking for, you know, and I live over at Waikido. Yeah. Stumbled upon the restaurant being, being sold or being, you know, on the market. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty much sold. I was like, you know what? Just come by. It was Cafe TH. The two ladies' sisters are like, all right, cool. Well, you know, why don't, why don't you uh, get your parents here? And we'll, we'll, we'll teach them, and you know, and, and I was like, oh, my parents don't even know. Like, <laughs> I said, you know, that's just me. And they're like, uh, do you know how to cook? I said, no. <laughs> wow. I said, I know how to cook Italian food. Yeah. And they were like, well, uh, there's no way you can do this. And I said, no, no, no. I want to do it. I feel confident. I feel confident in the area. This is in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> 2007. <laughs> This is like not the time to be opening a restaurant exactly, with no right. experience. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, you know what? No one's. Are you sure you don't have a brother? I said, I have, I have two brothers, but they're not going to be interested. And nobody knows about this. It's just me. And uh, they were like, tell you what, we will partner with you for one year. We'll sign the one-year contract, and oh, after wow. a year, we'll decide if it's good to continue on with our partnership or you. You, you know, you pay 50%, and if it works out, we'll be partners. If you doesn't work out, just pay us the other 50%, and then you'll be on your way. And I was like, all right, something. Wow. So that's it. That's how the restaurant started. Hopefully you didn't blink and miss it. If you did, or even if you didn't, you might be sitting there in your car or at home asking, how the hell did that happen? Think of it this way. For 10 months, Min thought the dessert gallery was a point on a horizon. It was a tangible thing, a real future. The seed had been planted. So when, by some beanstalk magic, Cafe TH sprouted out of the ground that day, instead of the dessert gallery, Min grabbed a watering can and went to work. At one point during our conversation, he compared his quick decision to an engineer friend of his, who took years counting pebbles for and against pursuing his passion of Scandinavian furniture design. Min didn't want to waste the moment. Kevin and Joe agreed. Joe and I would talk a lot about this idea of proactively letting things happen. Mm -hmm. It's like setting yourself up or getting in the mindset so that whenever the time does come, mm -hmm. which you never really know, yeah. you know, sometimes it just reveals itself and yeah. then you have to go, okay, then we do it, but then you're, all, you're kind of ready. Yeah. You feel it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel it now, okay, well, plant the seed and then... Hopefully, years down the later, like an opportunity like happens, bounce on it. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, rescuing somebody. Yeah. Oh, do I rescue them or do I not rescue? Them? <laughs> you know, like just jump in and do it. You know. Many times I have. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's can you hold on one second? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. some pebbles. <laughs> It 
It's a little mind-boggling to think about. To draw a straight line back from now to that day in 2007. Especially since we know how it ends. But as hard as it is to fathom such a transformation, it was even harder for Min to experience for himself. So, I worked with a year, uh, for them for, you know, a year. And by the end of the year, I decided that not what <laughs> Could you imagine working with somebody that's been doing it for like 18 years? Like they, they are, that's their structure. It's like a 30 year old trying to tell a 60 year old things need to change. I mean, it's just, it was very, very tough and turbulent time. Uh, I look back at it now and I'm like, God dang, I am so glad I did not, even though it was tough working with them, if I would have worked by myself, there was no way I could have learned how to cook and then be in the front of the house. There was absolutely no way. But the roughest period was that next eight months. I had to be in the kitchen learning. And I thought I learned it, but just, you know, it just didn't, didn't sink in. It's a lot different without safety net. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why I'm working like 120 hours. Wow. Because I threw away a lot of food. I mean, like I burned food. I, like, I didn't know the measurements and uh, the way that these ladies cook. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, just throw it in like that. Right. And then you taste it. And then if you need to throw in more, you throw in more. And if you need to add water, you add more water. I mean, that's how they taught me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, you, you know, in, in cookbooks, everything's precise. Right. It's just like... As if learning to cook traditional Vietnamese food from memory wasn't hard enough. The next three years pushed Min to the brink. Through an empty bank account and at times an empty gas tank, he said it was the regulars stopping in for a $2.50 sandwich that kept him going. Trials and tribulations, but in the real world. Like, I'm not in school. This is like... This is a real deal. Yeah, this is a real deal. And so now, those, those customers that have stuck with me, like now, I am like so grateful. Because if it wasn't for that extra two dollars you know or wherever two fifty coming from whoever or a drink that came on a regular basis that just made me survive in my situation i don't even you know like if i had to do it all over again and say would i with the knowledge that i know right now i probably wouldn't be in that industry because it's so hard it was probably the three worst years of my life almost and i don't even know how i survived uh, well, I do. Uh, you know, my sister helped support me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like knowing that I had a lot of faith in myself and then, you know, my family and friends, my closest friends were there for me. Yeah. I don't think if I had that, I would have just lost faith in myself. Yeah. I would have been like, I've made the worst decision in my life. And I probably wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing now. I'd probably go back to consulting, which I hate. I absolutely hated it. But, you know, it, it taught me a lesson that... You know, nothing's really guaranteed. At a certain point, Min found helpful advice in a book he read. And the business, along with his perspective, started to shift. I read this book. I'm not sure if you read it. It's called The E-Method? E-Myth? So, e- E-Myth. Uh, the E-Method. Or is it E-Myth? I'm reading a book called The E-Myth. I think it's The E-Myth. <laughs> Are you reading it? Let me go grab it real quick. It's a, it's a white and blue one? Sure. <laughs> it has words. Yeah. No, it's only pictures that pop up. <laughs> really intricate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
That's it. Well, uh, Kevin, you want anything? I'm good, yeah. That's the book. Yeah, yeah. So you're reading the e-myth. I read this. It's subtitled, Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. The author, Michael Gerber, is known officially as the world's number one small business guru. Basically what I learned from it is every entrepreneur comes in with a big picture. And if you're put in a position where I was, the reason why 90-something percent fail is because you have this big picture, but then once you're in it, you start thinking of your day-to-day. Eventually, maybe month-to-month, week-to-week, day-to-day, hour-to-hour. And it was a great example. It's like, yeah, I'm worried more about like how many pounds of grains of rice do I have? Oh, my staff being like five minutes late. But that's not even, I mean, that's, those are very small things, minuscule things. And so I had to change my thinking. Once I did that, it changed. Wow. Boulders off. What's my next problem? What's my next, you know, what's my next vision? What, what did I not accomplish? You know, so, so you start asking those questions that get to your goal. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much at my goal. I mean, I'm working way less than I was. I mean, 50 hours compared to like 100, 120. But, I mean, working hours, operational hours are really good. Even though a lot of people hate me for it. <laughs> you know, like, curses. It was great to hear Min talk about reaching his goals for the restaurant. Aside from perhaps air conditioning for the kitchen, he says Cafe TH is right where he wants it to be, professionally and personally. His limited business hours allow him to pursue other interests and goals, to live a diverse and interesting life, and to have aspirations of helping in his community in other ways. In the end, it was actually this topic of goals that Kevin and Joe found revealed that special something about men in Cafe TH we'd been wondering about. A lot of times we're, you know, we talk about, um, you know, what's a mission statement? Yeah. You know, what, what do you want to do? And right. this kind of stuff. And we're like, for us, it's much more, um, uh, what's the mission question? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the question that we ask that, that's the lens for everything? And the question that, uh, that we enter into is uh, how can architecture allow for the growth of the human spirit and it's in that way it's almost it's not really about architecture architecture mm-hmm. is just this vehicle to allow for everyone else around to grow mm-hmm. um, that and it's it's almost this uh, this collective human spirit to related to what you do is if someone's having a bad day or a rough day or whatever, just going through, you know, you talk about the three worst years of your life, but you know, so many of those customers that were coming through your restaurant were going through the three worst years of their lives and just being able to walk out with an amazing meal and amazing food and just being able to see a smiling face and someone shake their hand and treat them like a person. You know, like that means a lot, and, and like because you've gone through those three terrible years, yeah. now you have this, you know, this restaurant that is helping others to grow and to, yeah. you know, and it's it's almost like at this stage in your life, you know, the restaurant is it's like a vehicle toward this right. toward this other thing, and later on it could be something else that's a vehicle toward. Yeah, something else. But you know, a lot of it has to do because I love what I do, mm-hmm. and I think it's just like you know, mm-hmm. it, 
it's exposed, it's out there. It's like, otherwise, why would somebody want to come into a, a, an unhappy restaurant? <laughs> Uh, in general, I'm, I'm more excited about going to work now than I've ever been. Well, I gotta get going, man. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, hold on, man. Ah, well, thanks so much. No problem. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do it again. Oh, yeah, let's definitely do it again. From Rivers Barden Architects, this has been Spork in the Road. To learn more about Min and the restaurant, visit cafeth.com. A special thanks to Min Win, interviewers extraordinaire Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden, and of course, family and friends and listeners known and unknown. This episode was produced, edited, and narrated by Scott Barden. For more information on Rivers Barden Architects, visit riversbarden.com.